Well, uh, you know, Adrian Martinez still hasn't thrown an interception this season. Unfortunately, the storyline after the loss to TCU couldn't be much different, couldn't be more different uh, than that storyline. And Adrian Martinez really hardly even playing against the Horned Frogs on Saturday as K-State loses 38-28 in Fort Worth this past Saturday. Welcome to Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner with the voice of the Wildcats and now KAB Hall of Famer. Wyatt Thompson. The Cats are now 5-2 and two on the season, 3-1 and one in Big 12 play. They now drop to a tie in second place. And up next, they're going to be taking on the team they're tied in second with. That is the ninth-ranked Oklahoma State Cowboys at Bill Snyder Family Stadium this Saturday at 2.30. Well, Wyatt, welcome uh, to another Wildcat Insider. That was, uh, like Kleiman said in postgame, a tale of two halves where the offense was moving. Defense started to play much better after that first drive, and then things really changed in the second half. And I think you put a lot of that on injuries. But the first one that really jumped on the on the radar, of course, because of who it was, Adrian Martinez. He plays the first series of the game, has a really nice run on the first play, and then a three and out after that. And then we see him on the sideline saying to his offensive line, "Hey guys." I'm probably not going to be able to go. It's going to be the Will Howard show from from there on out. But uh, that that was uh, a really huge early blow in a game like that. Well, especially when you think about first places on the line for two three and O teams, you have a 17th ranked K State team, an eighth ranked TCU team going into the game, and you're thinking, "Wow, this is going to be a war. This is going to be a battle. This is going to be a showdown. Whatever you want to say." And then all of a sudden, a series in. You've lost your guy. And the quarterback position, I mean, this is a no-brainer statement, but the quarterback position is so important in this day and age of college football. And so I think there was a little bit of shock value there. But I was really proud of the way the Wildcats handled that, especially in the first half. They played good first-half football. They just could not sustain it for several reasons that I know that we'll talk about here moving forward. So it was a hard loss. It, it was a, you know, K-State's a beat-up football team. They're going to play another beat-up football team this coming weekend in OSU, and we'll talk about that later too. But, man, at the end of the day, the last thing you want to do a series into the game is lose your quarterback. Period and end of story, and that's that's what happened. Well, and I I just get to thinking I'm like football gods, why are you doing this to us again? Haven't we been through enough? You know, the last two years for Skylar Thompson was in and out, missed almost all of 2020, and then 2021 he was in and out and in and out. And and Will Howard got he's had a lot of experience, and, and thank God for that. Sure, uh, because he stepped in and played very well, and especially in that second quarter. We, we could talk about that a little bit later, but you mentioned it, the injuries especially defensively, really started to add up. And I was just like, I was sitting there watching it on the couch, and I was just thinking to myself, you know what? If we were healthy, we're better than TCU. K-State is a better team than TCU. If they're at full strength, they don't lose Daniel Green. Deuce Vaughn isn't banged up, and he's in and out. You know, Josh Hayes ends up leaving at one point. Um, Julius Prince was a big one where yeah. he came back in injured, and that gives up a, a huge touchdown that puts TCU up two scores. If those guys aren't banged up and we keep that momentum offensively, K-State could have walked out of Fort Worth, Texas with a comfortable and convincing eye-opening to the nation victory, but instead it goes the other way. And I just thought, man, after every. 
it kept adding up. I was like, who are we going to lose next? Yeah. Just felt like there was no luck on K-State's side in that second half. Well, to augment what you're saying, I think I would say this. Uh, I was looking and crunching at some numbers yesterday morning after the ball game and in preparation for the show, TV show with Coach Kleiman. And, and I remember writing this down on, on my page, and I'll read it for you here. K-State, let's remind everybody, led at halftime 28-17. Mm-hmm. Could have easily been 31-7. It wasn't, but here's the point. K-State, in 30 plays, averaged 10.1 yards per play and had 303 yards in the first half. And TCU averaged 6.5 yards per play but had just 266 yards on 41 plays. The worm obviously turned some in the second half, and we know the reasons why, and we'll talk about that here, obviously, too. But I think that's the, the statement that I would make is that, you know, despite all of the, the issues, I, I thought K-State really did a good job in the first half. For me, this game changed not when Adrian Martinez went out, although that hurt. I thought the game changed on a couple of different things, but one was when Will Howard hurt his shoulder because that takes away the quarterback run game. That's what he's good at. That's what K-State felt like they had uh, that they could get TCU on. I think you saw it on the first run of the game with Adrian Martinez ripping off an 19-yard run. So that was a huge factor in the game. And then – up 28 to 10 late in the half this was the other real factor for me is give TCU credit on this one Kendra Miller rips off a 48 yard run boom they go in and score then get the ball to start the second half drive down and score again and now it's 28 24 and ball game on it was simple as that but we knew at halftime, everybody that was there in Fort Worth, the media that was tweeting out, they, they were paying attention like, okay, now Derek Young from Casey and Line did a very good job of keeping up with who was leaving. Because multiple guys were going to the locker room oh, sure. and getting checked out. I mean, there were probably four or five cats that start in the game that ended up going to the locker room for some sort of medical attention. Yeah. And they, the bodies just kept adding up and you weren't seeing guys return. And then second and third string guys now have to start taking over. Bo Palmer is one of them. Jacob yeah. Parrish is yeah. another name that had to step up and play. Very, and really, I thought he did pretty well, Parrish did. He did. And I would add, just to, to give you a sense of what the night was like, I, I know a lot of people were watching the game, and, and I'm, I'm all good with that, but we, we were down on the sideline on air with Matt, and he had just talked to Coach Kleiman, was getting his thoughts about the first half, and as I'm listening to him, I look up from my paperwork, and here is one of the trainers with Julius Brents leaving the field before the third quarter even starts. And I, it's like, you want to talk about deflating? I'm going, God, are you kidding me? What's next? Mm-hmm. You know? But I get it that it's part of the game. But it, it is frustrating when you know where you're setting, you know what this team can potentially be, and then you don't get it done, and for a multitude of reasons. But but some of those reasons, and I I know people hate excuses, but when those kinds of guys are not in the lineup on a consistent basis, it's it's just it's problematic. Whether it's Daniel Green, whether it's Julius Brents, Adrian Martinez, I mean, 
if you start naming the top ten guys on this football team, those three guys are all on the list. Yeah, Felix. And that's, that's that's difficult. Yeah, Felix is playing injured. He's yeah. had an injury going back to fall camp that he's tried to play through, and he and he has done so uh, in a in a great fashion as well. He's played so well, but this is also coming off a of bye week. It, that's what made it also strange that all these right. guys were coming out of the game injured is because he had that extra week to heal up and that was a that was like the storyline coming out of the week i remember on power cake game day that was one of the top three storylines we brought up like hey these guys are banged up they need an extra week to get better they just need to focus on themselves heal up and get ready for a gauntlet with tcu oklahoma state in texas that's going to really prove where k-state deserves to be and they're going to really put themselves in a great or maybe not so great position in the big 12 standings and then all these injuries. And you're just thinking, we can't catch a break. It was hard to watch. And there was no finger pointing. I don't think you could point blame at anything. Just that it felt like another fluke victory. I say another. That's because TCU has been knocking out all these quarterbacks. They have. In Big 12 play, Jalen Daniels, Spencer Sanders was banged up after playing TCU. And he ended up playing against Texas. But he wasn't 100%. Uh, Dylan Gabriel was another one that a targeting penalty took him out. And oh, by the way, now Khalid Duke is most likely going to miss the first half of Oklahoma State because of targeting. It just it kept adding up. But uh, I tell you what, the Will Howard did himself, um, I think, a great deal of proving that he is better. he's a better quarterback, or at least he is more confident by the way he played. Well, I, I think you have to look at the whole body of work and take into consideration the injury that he suffered but it's pretty obvious from when he came in the game. I mean, K-State went on four straight scoring drives. That alone, without giving you any other details, tells you that, that he has made progress. And we'd been talking about that. You know, I, I, I'm fortunate I get to see, you know, practices. And I, I've seen him get bigger, stronger, better. He, he's always been smart. Um, he has a great feel for this offense. He's very comfortable in it. And they're in that time frame where, you know, K-State goes from 10-7 down to up 28-10. to He's ripping it. They're ripping it. Things are good. And I think that also added to the frustration of having that kind of lead on the road in a very difficult environment and through, you know. And, again, I'm not trying to mask, you know, some of the things that K-State did not so well. I mean, they made some tackling errors, angle errors. Uh, interceptions, things that they normally don't do. So there, there was a lot in combination that made the second half long and frustrating for all Wildcat fans, for sure. But Will, <laughs> Will was pretty good when he was when he was in there and uh, uh, a healthy football player. Yeah, and I think that's a good stopping point because I want to continue to talk about Will Howard because I think we need to prepare at least ourselves to uh, at least one game, potentially. And I, we don't know for sure, but to be moving forward with Will Howard at quarterback for the third straight year. But still to come on uh, Wildcat Insider, we'll look at the Big 12 this past weekend, plus in the second hour of the Big 12 in Week 9, a preview of the Oklahoma State Cowboys injuries racking up against TCU this past Saturday. But more on Will Howard, and we'll hear from Will Howard in postgame after Saturday when we come back on Wildcat Insider. We continue with Wildcat Insider and News Radio KMAN. Mitch Fortner with the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson, and also Travion Berkeley on the board today. K-State hosting Oklahoma State Saturday, 2.30 on Fox. 
That means Power K Game Day will start at 10.30 in the morning with Cole Manbeck, Derek Young, and myself. When it comes to the kickoff time and TV spot for the Texas game a week from Saturday, that's been placed on a six-day selection. So we will find out most likely on Saturday night or Sunday morning what time that game will kick off a week from Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Well, on this past Saturday at TCU, we saw Adrian Martinez exit the game after the first series with what looked like to be some sort of leg injury, and Will Howard played for most of the rest of the game. He even dealt with his own injury. It looked like a left arm injury, which is not his throwing arm, but he was favoring it when he came back into the game. But Coach Kleiman did talk about Will Howard in his game after the contest in Fort Worth and said Will was absolutely ready to go and ready to play in that spot. It's a situation where had it been a play, we'd have probably taken and put Rubes in, but seeing the severity of it and uh, probably going to be out for the game. We went with Will and told Will he was going to play if that were the case. And so Will prepared really well and was proud of Will Howard. I thought Will Howard played a, a really good football game and gave us a great spark. Here's Will Howard after the game coming in for 9 a.m. It's something I'm not new to. Uh, it's been last three years having to deal with it. You know, it's obviously not a ideal situation to be in, but, you know, it's it's the situation that I'm in, and, you know, it's it's the role that I'm playing on this team right now. And because of my love for this, this school and for these guys, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to help this team win. And, uh, you know, obviously today my number was called, and I had to go in there. Didn't get the job done, so uh, obviously – uh, cut off there. Sorry about that. But I think that's now the fourth time in Will Howard's career uh, that he has now come in for an injured quarterback and really and played the rest of the game and will potentially play an extended amount of time. But we were saying it before the break, and I can share my two cents on what I thought about Will Howard. Uh, will, for the game, passing 13 of 20 for 225 yards, two touchdowns in the interception, don't – the interception, he was just trying to make a play in short time down two scores. Yeah. I, I No blame there whatsoever. He ran the ball nine times for 35 yards and also ran in a score. Um, there was also a time in that first half where K-State, after spotting the Horn Frogs seven points and Will Howard's coming into the game, I mean, it's fair to think, oh my God, this is crashing in really quickly. What are we going to do? I think Will Howard proved a lot of people wrong in just one game. I think he had his best passer rating he's had in his career after the TCU game. And his passing was incredible. I thought let – me, let me say this, that the, the first touchdown to Cade Warner, it was underthrown, maybe should have been picked off. Cade made an amazing play. Also, Will's last pass for a touchdown when he was trying to hit Cade was just a little bit too strong – I mean, if you get that, I mean, who knows? Honestly, who knows? But between that, I I thought Will Howard played an amazing game, throwing some fantastic footballs. The offense wasn't missing a beat. And I was so excited to see that because of, well, we might have to be ready for moving on with Will Howard for an an indefinite amount of time at this point. It would be easy for me to, again, repeat all of the numbers and things that he did. As an example, 9 of 11 in the first half for 185 yards and two touchdowns, right? Okay. But but I think what I would say here to augment what you're talking about with him coming in, playing well, being confident is if you really noticed everybody else around him, you really didn't see any panic this time, like maybe earlier in his career. Like, uh-oh, Sky's not in there. This is going to be problematic. You got you got none of that body language-wise in my personal opinion. So I think 
not only has Will grown as a player, we've seen growth in the him as a leader, the football team understanding where he's at in his progression as a player, and they know he, he can help and play. I thought that was somewhat significant, um, and sometimes that kind of stuff gets overlooked. He, he was really good. Uh, he just was. He competed. It wasn't perfect, but, but it's obvious that he has grown. And remember, I'll just say this too. Remember the scenario in which he was put in as a freshman. He, that was about as unfair as it gets, but they had no choice. And, and I loved him from the get-go because he would make plays, he would make mistakes, and what did he do? He stood up there like a man and answered on all of it, good, bad, and otherwise. And I thought to myself then, and I still believe it now, that kid's going to work here. And you heard him say right there, he loves this place. He does, yeah. You know, there's a lot of guys that already been at, under the same circumstances, they'd be out. They'd be out of here. But not Will Howard. Well, and with today's climate with the, with the transfer portal, and I've said it before that with the situation of, okay, this, this offseason heading into 2022 – I guess the coaching staff didn't feel like Will Howard or Jake Rubley or Jaron Lewis, they weren't ready to go to take on that role, so they bring in a ringer. Mm -hmm. And they saw that Adrian Martinez was on the market. We got to get him. They got him. I mean, they. you saw that. I'm sure you saw it Saturday morning, the college game day uh, story about Adrian Martinez and sure. going from turnovers to success here at K-State. But I was a little surprised that Will Howard didn't transfer. I think most in his situation with that experience, yet still not getting the opportunity of being the guy, would try to go find somewhere else to play. I really admire that he has stuck around, and he's good chance he gets another chance here to uh, to show off what he can do and hopefully show some consistency. It's not like he hasn't played against Oklahoma State before. Right, he has uh, a couple of times. Right, yeah, at this yeah. point now. And, and I think let's just be clear about this: we don't know about Adrian Martinez. We don't right now. We may or may not hear more from Chris Kleiman tomorrow that would indicate one way or the other. I'm kind of thinking maybe not. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, and, and I mean hearing from Kleiman. Um, I, I think it's, <laughs> you know, I, I think there are people out there that think that Adrian could go, and there are some that think that, that he would not be able to, to make it this weekend. Um, and I do think it's, you know, a 50-50 proposition as we're talking right now. But Back to the original thought, I think when you, when you look at Will Howard's situation, that he was put in early and where he's at now and how much he has grown, and I think he put that on display some on Saturday night in Fort Worth, but they still realize that this young guy has a lot of upside. I mean, the guy's 6'4", 240 pounds. He's not the world's best thrower, but I think he's capable. But his football smarts, his toughness, his ability to run, the knowledge of the offense, all of those kind of things, there's a reason they were trying to redshirt him. They'd like to get that redshirt in and him still have all of those quality games down the line. That's why they went out and got Adrian Martinez to begin with because it would have been best for all involved if Will could redshirt when he should have the first year he was here and didn't, right? Mm -hmm. So – a lot of this makes sense, but again, injuries sometimes change things and what have you. But yeah, I'm still hopeful that they can redshirt him. I truly am. 
Well, I don't know about being the best backup in in college football, like Coach Kleiman has said on a number of occasions, <laughs> even though he did look like it on Saturday. I even tweeted that out. I was like, you know what? He might be this year the best backup. In, but I bet he's the most ready-to-go backup in college football because it's already happened two years in a row and now three years in a row where he has to come in and perform right away. And he was tasked to bring this team back, and he had the offense humming yeah. in that at the end of the first because the first five drives for K-State – Four of them were four plays long. Mm-hmm. The first one was a three and out. The next three were touchdown drives in four plays. Mm-hmm. So they were picking up chunk plays. He had seven passes for over 20 yards in the game. Uh, he did way better than I expected, honestly. Well, I, th- I thought the 38-yard pass to Malik was insanely Oh, bad. that was yeah. incredible throw. Yeah. Incredible. And, and, you and know, some tight windows. He, he, made, he made the right read, and, the, and the, the throw was rock solid to Sammy Wheeler for the touchdown, too. There were a couple of he, he made a, a throw to the near uh, sideline to to Philip Brooks that that I thought was terrific too. He there weren't I mean it wasn't like he was forty out of forty five or five hundred yards, but let's be honest he was pretty efficient especially before he was dinged up a little bit. So I, I think we've made our point here that he, you know that he did relatively well. I, I think when you look at the numbers, K State probably for the most part. If you'd have said going in with the way the defense had played, now let's take the injuries out of it, but if you'd have said going into the game, K-State's going to score 28, you probably like your chances a little bit, right? I predicted them to win 27-24. Well, there you go. There you go. Unfortunately, <laughs> you know, give TCU some credit too. All of these teams are you know, pretty good in this league, and we all know that. And I felt like if you look at their numbers – they may have as good a balance as any team in our conference offensively. I agree with that, yes. And I also feel like they probably have maybe, maybe one of the most underrated offensive lines in just terms of cohesion. I mean, I'll tell you, the Ali kid at center, the SMU transfer, has made a really big difference in them because Avila can now play left guard, which is kind of like Cooper BB, his best position. And it's just made them much, much stronger. If you go back and 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 look, <laughs> they did a pretty good job. They they ran for 215 yards against Kansas State, and that's uh, second most that the Cats have given up. I think Oklahoma had 220, and some of that was later, but but, but still below average numbers, right for TCU. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, another nod to the defense, even though playing backups, they right. statistically didn't play horribly. Uh, even though the defense did up 28 straight points like TCU's did to K-State. Sure. But yeah. all, you know, for a while there, all momentum was gone. And I think that's starting to just kind of briefly go back to what you said about, you know, is the after the 28-10 to 10 score, K-State gets the ball back and it's a three and out. You know, I thought maybe that third down play of running Will was really conservative at that point where you could have just really stepped on their throats at that point and just got way too conservative and that seemed to kill the momentum for the offense it took a while to get it back but uh that's a a fair thought yeah that's a fair thought that those four straight touchdowns though i thought will howard had the offense in a momentum like they haven't had all season i I really truly feel that it was just consistent scoring doing it quickly with big plays it seemed like they had just completely upgraded to a better, to a better, uh, just better momentum. It re- just really felt that way, yeah. that way to me. Well, I'll go back to what I said earlier. First half, they averaged ten point one yards per play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's pretty efficient offense at, at this level. I can't remember. Did you mention in the first segment about yards per play for K State in the game? 
7.4. Yeah, that's still awfully good, too. TCU averaging 7.7 plays per game heading into that game. That's second in the country. Mm-hmm. And K-State was going 7.4 yards per play. I, <laughs> despite not having momentum in that first half and, and a few turnovers as well, uh, yeah. that's an amazing number to have, and it really added up in that first half. Yeah, and it, as you you know start to talk about things ravel, unraveling a little bit, It'd be smart to, at this particular point, say, with K-State up 28-10, to 10, that spot in the game that you're talking about, and there were a couple of others, mm-hmm. but, but I think everybody is going to remember a lot of things from this game. But when you look at the third down conversions and you see the Cats just 3 of 9, yeah, and, and TCU is 10 of 19, that, that really is a sucker punch. In right in the middle of the nose. Well, you, you bring up a good point, yeah. and I, I forgot about it. I wanted to bring it up about third and fourth down, yeah. where K State did well in first and second in that second half, and then just couldn't get off the field on third down. That was, yeah, I suppose that was a turning point as well. Just drives being extended with uh, at times long third down conversions for TCU. Well, you you always reference Cole Manback, who does a really really nice job of of putting some numbers together. And, and I saw this tweet a little while ago, TCU rushed for a season-low 3.8 yards per carry. Mm. But uh, says TCU was 12 of 23 on third and fourth downs on Saturday against the K-State defense that had held teams to 29 of 98 on third and fourth down for the year. So give TCU a little bit of credit there. And they also converted seven third downs of six yards or more. So good digging and good work by Cole there. That's, that's uh, pretty good information. So to come in hour two of Wildcat Insider, more on the injuries for K-State heading into Oklahoma State, including, as well, a preview of the Pokes this Saturday. But when we come back, Mr. Wyatt Thompson over here had a big night last night. I want to hear some details about it, and we're all going to hear about it when we come back on Wildcat Insider. We roll on with hour one of Wildcat Insider on News Radio KMAN. Mitch Fortner with now KAB Hall of Famer Wyatt Thompson. Travion Berkland is on the board. I should mention as well, we have pre-recorded this because of the KAB awards banquet tonight uh, that I will be attending for sure. I want a couple of awards. No big deal. Just kind of an annual thing for me, but uh, uh, since we're going to be at that tonight, we are pre-recording, so we won't be able to take any phone calls, but now sitting with a Hall of Famer in studio wide, I'd love to hear about the festivities last night. Wasn't able to make it. It wasn't like I was invited or anything. I think it was a... Is it kind of a small deal, just like friends and family attend? Well, they're... they're yeah, a lot of it is, is family. Uh, no doubt about that, friends and family. But there were, you know, there was good representation from the KAB there last night. Uh, Allison Maisie, the president, does a really, really good job. Kent Cornish, the former president, was there. And, I mean, we saw a lot of people. I, I saw, uh, you know, buddies from from Hutch and Russell and Salina and those types of places. So there there were, you know, people from all Topeka. So there there were lots of, of people there. I, I don't know what the crowd was. I would guess it at maybe a couple of hundred or so. Okay. But it was really it may be in one fifty, I I'm not sure. But it, it was a it was a really nice night. Um I I was very appreciative and, and I, I think for me the best part if asked about that, I would say that my family enjoyed it so much. Uh, Brian Smoller um, and Preston Kerner, you know both of those guys and the and the work that they do. Uh, even I joked with Brian this morning that 
the video made me way better than I really truly am, and I, I appreciate that very much. That was above and beyond, and that uh, was really cool. I love seeing the old pictures. Oh yeah, yeah. We all get older and heavier and whatever, or most of us anyway. But yeah, the, it, you know, I've been doing this a long time. I've, I've always loved it. Um, you know, my family. I heard my family from time to time last night telling other people he's always been, you know, dedicated to you know, what he does and cares about it so much. And I hope that is so. I, I, I try to live it that way. And I've been, as I tried to say in my speech last night, uh, I had such great instruction as a young guy. And I, I think that, you know, that is the key for all of us, isn't it? I mean, whether it's college or your first couple of two or three jobs, and that's where you get that foundation built. Um, and, and I was as lucky as anybody there. Do you feel different before the Hall of Fame, then well, after the Hall of Fame? Uh, no, not necessarily. Maybe you I feel I, like a Hall of Famer. No, I don't know that I'll ever necessarily feel like that. But but uh, you, what you really go through, I think, is and I, I told you this right after this was announced that I was so reflective of the past and you know parents and my sisters and my son and all of the things they gave up for me to be able to do all of this stuff for so long. And, you know, like and when you're gone at Thanksgiving, you can't have Thanksgiving with your family. Yeah. And bowl games at Christmas and New Year's and those kind of things, they, they sacrificed a lot, you know. And so I appreciate that. But, you know, the, the real thing now is, is just you, you just, as you get older, and you'll figure this out one day too, uh, that as you get older, you really appreciate – all of the people that have made a, I guess, a, a difference in your life. As an example, you know, Coach Snyder was there last night, and his wife Sharon, and they're, you know, the, you know them, man. I was honored that they even showed up, right? <laughs> and and uh, it was so fun having them there, and. Of course, he was the one that got attacked afterwards with pictures and those types of things, which was really cool. So it, it was a great night. I appreciate you asking about it. No, absolutely. I, I'm sure that was an amazing night, and I was so excited for you when the the video came out of you of uh, of Dave Lewis and Rich Wartell yeah. coming into your office and saying, "Hey, you are you're going into the Hall of Fame," and it was a uh, a tearjerker type of moment. So. What was the what was the speech like? Is that like a uh, is that like just like a reflection on your career? You share a few stories, type of thing. Yeah, a little bit of that, and just you know, kind of trying at, at as best you can of, of recognizing some of those people th- that did have that influence on you. Whether it was my college instructor or my first boss, who I dearly loved and was one of the best people and the most talented one of the most talented radio guys I've ever worked with, and and here and that's that's true forty plus years later, you know, uh, and, and, and some of the people in the state that, that, you know, that you work around and learn from and get advice from and all of those kind of things. And I don't want to start naming a bunch of names, but I, I, I mentioned in the speech last night that I had in my career worked for, worked for or with, but for, for the most part, seven people that are in the KAB Hall of Fame. You know, whether it's Kay Amelia or his son Marty or Bob Hilgendorf in Great Band or Rich Wartell or whatever it might be, that's uh, that's don't you think that's pretty impressive? Yeah. I do. I really do. And so that's the, I, I, again, back to what you take away from it. When you say Hall of Fame, I, I look at it more about how fortunate I was to be around people like that and learn. And, and hopefully you continue to, you know, as you get older, I've, I've tried to help a lot of younger people and, and ho- I hope I have. 
you know, because that's what it's all about. Now, if you go to like K-State Athletics Twitter account, um, I'm sure they might have it on Facebook as well and other social media platforms. There's a Wyatt Thompson tribute video about you going into the Hall of Fame, just kind of reflecting on some of your best calls. And uh, <laughs> I know and Casey Scott brought up that uh, his favorite call was the Darren Sproles in the Big 12 Championship screen pass uh-huh. that put the Cats up 20-7 to at that point. I, I So I, I gave you a little nod on Friday night during my Manhattan football game because I – I think my favorite call is the chugging touchdown uh-huh. Darren Sproles at Nebraska. So when Keenan Sharts for Manhattan scored a touchdown, I worked in a chugging <laughs> uh, in there for you. You know, I, I told Darren this. I'll make this very, very short. But I told Darren one time, he's probably the best running back I've ever seen in person or had the honor to call games for. But he was also the most difficult because he moves faster than you can talk or <laughs> I can talk. And that is totally complimentary because I, I love the call too, but it's far from great. Uh, and I'm just being honest about that. What, what do you mean by that? Like, well, it, it could. I mean, it. I think it's pretty great it, to everybody else. Well, maybe so, but but the for me, it's in, on, in radio, and this is an obvious statement, but it's all about the description. And I thought I could have been better in the description. Oh, the word chugging. It, it, or well, is that, or, no, not so much the word chugging, but how we got to that point because he's I probably didn't set up prior to the chugging comment how he's just he's just so explosive Uh and as he gets closer I mean he's you saw him play I mean he's just dragging guys I mean it's so his want to was as good as anybody man and I'm oh that was such a great time. That, that was one of my – I've had a lot of great days in 40-plus years, but that was certainly one of them, without a doubt. Classic broadcaster over here. The only person that has an issue with the call <laughs> is the person who made the call. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're too kind, buddy. I no, that, that, that was an all-timer. I, I got a lot of favorites, but I think the Darren Sproles uh, in Nebraska does stand out. Yeah. It really does. I, I've, I've been so fortunate in my time here to – I mean, I, I think about – when I get asked about individual plays, you know, you think about, or I think about at least, all of the guys that I've had an opportunity to call games for. And some of them are great players, offensive players. Some of them were great defensive players, like a Terrence Newman or wh- whoever it might be. Um, and then kind of some of those unsung guys or, or specific cool moments, like when Coach Snyder retired the first time and Brandon Archer made that unbelievable interception against Mizzou and those those kind of live with you forever right or wrong well I mean you've been a big influence on my career and how I call games I've heard many broadcasters have to throw out you know college level reading vocabulary (laughs) to be the cool and uh and the most descriptive guy out there in in sports broadcasting I've I've always kind kind of thought of you as like you know just keep it simple don't have to be too crazy about it. Just give the details, and, and I was like, "Yes, I, I think that's." Uh, I don't, and maybe I'm not hitting the descript, descript, description the way you would say it, but I think you're very easy to follow along with. You paint a good picture, um, and that, that's the way I kind of try to keep it. Well, that I, I I hope you understand this. To me, that's about as complimentary as it gets. I mean, that's what you want to do, right? I mean, you want to have enthusiasm, and you yeah. want to be the hometown guy without being over the top. With I want everybody to know I'm the K-State guy. That's the coolest part of this job, right? 
but you have to have some objectivity too at, at all points, or at least I think so. Um, and <laughs> you know, be descriptive. Have have it come a, across in in big letters. This is this is our guy or our guys in this particular case. And you know, I you know recognized the whole crew last night with with Stan and Matt and all the people that Donnie was there, of course, and being inducted to. And Roy Baum was there in support of of Donnie and myself. And it, it was it was special. Do they let you talk, or do they give you like a time limit? Well, Why they, you got ten minutes? Well, they uh, tell us about your career. <laughs> well, it's it's hard to get in forty some years, and yeah, she, uh, Allison first talked about you know oh, somewhere around six or seven minutes, and then she said, well, well, maybe ten. Try not to go over ten. Well, guess who went over ten? You're looking at him. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know exactly how long it was, and it wasn't terribly over, but uh, I just I just wanted to. You know, recognize, and there were a lot of people there. But, you know, Gene Taylor and and Jill and Kenny, oh, awesome. and Kenny and Ryan and and Mike Clark and his wife and I mean, Coach Snyder and Coach Kleiman. Uh, how Coach Kleiman at least came in there for a little while. And this is a guy who's, you know, game planning for a football game on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So I, I appreciated that so much too. That was really neat. Well, congratulations again, Hall of Famer. I appreciate it, man. It it, it was a it was a special night. It's one I'll always remember. I can promise you that. All right, well, when we come back on Wildcat Insider, we'll quickly go over last Saturday in the Big 12 next. All right, Wyatt, let's take a look back at last Saturday in the Big 12. Uh, the other big one in the top 25 was Texas at Oklahoma State. The Cowboys still in second place with the 41-34 win at home against Texas, and that was a comeback win for the Cowboys. Well, it was. The, the game-winning touchdown coming with about just over three minutes to go, and it was a big play. Spencer Sanders to Bryson Green from 41 yards. Texas led throughout most of this game, and I, th- I thought for a lot of the day was the better team. But, you know, it's, it's interesting when you think about it, and, and this is no disrespect towards Texas at all, but Oklahoma State with that winning culture here of late, um, you know, that I, I think they expect to win games like that, and they found a way to do it. And they're beat up too. We mentioned that earlier in, in another segment. But uh, for them to be 6-1 and one and 3-1 and one right now, that's, uh, that's awfully good. Can you imagine throwing 30 incompletions and still having <laughs> over 300 yards passing like Quinn Ewers for Texas? Yeah, and, and but you know what? That's kind of what they are. <laughs> um, his completion percentage hasn't necessarily been great, but you know what he does have, if you start to look at it, I mean, Bijan Robinson out of the backfield, Tavion Sanders, a really good tight end, Xavier Worthy, obviously, and, and others, Jordan Winnington. I mean, he's got some guys to chuck it to, right? I, I would think that that should be a little bit better, but he's awfully young still. Well, the Baylor Bears, despite Blake Shapin not having his best game for sure, uh, they beat the Kansas Jayhawks to hand KU their third straight loss, 35-23 that final. We said earlier in the show K-State's game was a tale of two halves. This one was really two. Baylor jumped on them early, and, and I mean jumped all over them, and led 28-3 to at halftime. But it was Kansas 20-7 to winning the second half. I think Baylor got a little loose on some things, um, you know, made a couple of mistakes. And give Kansas credit. As much as they have struggled in their losing streak now defensively, they still are playing pretty good offensive football. Being through for 232 yards, and how about uh, Quentin Skinner is a pretty darn good receiver. They've got some good guys, I mean, skill guys at Kansas. You know, even though Highshaw's out, 
I mean, think about you know the three guys that that they're running out there at the running back position now with Devin Neal, Kai Thomas, and Savion Morrison. That's that's pretty good depth. And then to wrap up, oh Neil Brown, your seat's probably pretty hot right now after losing at Texas Tech, forty-eight to ten. Yeah, it really was not all that close ever. I mean, it was seventeen to three at half. Um, Baron Morton, they started him at Tech at quarterback for the second straight time, and they really like this young guy. He's, a, he's kind of a gunslinger, honestly. West Virginia's not been good on the road. They just have not been as consistent as they'd like to be. And, um, you know, I, I have to be honest, I think Joey McGuire's done a really nice job so far at Tech. For them to be 2-2 two and two right now and 4-3 and, and three overall, they're, they're hanging in there. I think they'll be a bowl team this year. That's it for Hour 1 of Wildcat Insider. We'll go over this Saturday in the Big 12 and Hour number 2 plus injuries. I think that's one word that basically tells a huge story, not only from this past Saturday, but moving forward as well to the Oklahoma State game this Saturday. Hour 2 of Wildcat Insider is coming up next.